Amen. That is right. I thought it very appropriate to show that for communion, but also as we're in Daniel, Daniel chapter 9 this morning, it's, it's amazing to understand what Daniel is seeing. And we're on the other side of Daniel, but again, prophecy is all about who? Good answer. One person got it right this morning. Jesus. And one other thing we want to understand this morning is this. When we hear prophecy, what's the nation that it is involved with? The only nation is Israel. There's other nations that God will use, but as we think about that this morning. So Daniel chapter 9, we're going to dive into this chapter. Um, This prophetic text from verses 24 to 27 is the most read prophetic text in the Bible. This text, theologians... Scholars, they go to when they understand eschatology. That's the study of last times. We've walked through two of Daniel's dreams in our study of Daniel. And they all had to do with the future world domination of of, of the world in which we live. From the Roman Empire, from the Grecian Empire, from the Babylonian Empire. But there was one kingdom that Daniel referred to that we're still awaiting, and that is whose kingdom? Jesus' kingdom. Jesus' kingdom. And so again, as we get to that portion of Scripture, so here's how the plan is this morning. Are you guys awake? Okay, good. I hope so. Our plan this morning is we're going to look for verses, through verses 1 through 19, and we're going to pull some application. We're going to go back to Daniel's character. I want us to look at Daniel's quiet time. Daniel's quiet time. We see here, him in, here in the first several verses in his quiet time. And we're going to pull some application. We're going to look at two quiet time tips. For those that don't know what quiet time is, time is your devotions. The, the time in the morning or in the evening that you open your Bible and you meet with God. And so we're going to pull two applications, two quiet time tips from Daniel this morning. And then at the end, if you guys are still up for it, we are going to then dive into verses 24 to 27. Again, look at this prophetic text that Gabriel gave Daniel about the future of Israel. So let's begin reading in verse 1, Daniel 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Azarias, by descent of Mede, who was king, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah, the prophet must pass before the end of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Okay, so this text takes us back to Daniel 6. Remember Daniel 1 through 7 is, sorry, 1 through 6 is Daniel's life. Daniel 7 through 12 is dreams of what Daniel had for prophecy. So this chapter takes us back to Daniel 6. Remember in Daniel 6, under Darius, when the Medes and Persians came and took over Babylon, Daniel was placed as vice president under Darius. Remember Daniel 6, that got him in a lot of trouble because all of his buddies that he worked with that were Medo-Persians didn't like the fact that Daniel got promoted to be vice president over all the affairs, and hence we see his life of being thrown in the lion's den and being God delivering him out of that. At this point in Daniel's life, the Israelites, the Israel, the Jews, have been in bondage and captivity for 68 years. 68 years. We learn here, just in these several verses, of Daniel's passion for God. He was a man of godly character. He communicated to God regularly. And he was about 85 years old during this time. 
you know, young, young generation, we need to take example of Daniel. Think, think about Daniel a minute. Daniel, we read about in one of the main books, prophecy books in the Bible. We read about Abraham, Moses, Noah, David, Solomon, the list goes on. And we knew some of their frailties, some of the things that they struggled with and when they disobeyed God. When you read through Daniel, Daniel, Daniel walked with God. There is nothing we read about in Daniel that questions Daniel and his passion for God. If there's a, if there's a man in the Bible to look after and pattern ourselves after, again, he wasn't God, he wasn't deity, he was a godly man, is Daniel. So Daniel, the math here, he's 84. Okay, we've been here since 586 B.C. Okay, We've been in 60 years of captivity. Look what he says here. He was perceiving in the book, he's in his quiet time, he's in the book of Jeremiah, particularly chapters 25 to 29, which talk about the idea of the Jewish people being in captivity, and then at 70 years, they are going to be allowed to back into Israel. So he's, he's doing the math here. He's figuring out. Now understand this in history. There has not been one country, one nation, that has been laid desolate, has been destroyed, that has ever gone back to rebuild in world history hasn't been except one nation and can you figure out who that is the nation of israel two times they did this in their history two times think about that a minute god's word's true prophecy is true absolutely we see daniel here looking reading in the book of jeremiah he's there in his quiet time he's saying 70 years and we could go back to our and he's 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 understanding the promises of god daniel took the word of God literally. Remember we talked a few weeks back about how we interpret prophecy, how we interpret scripture. We here at Faith Bible Church, we take it literal. There's allegorical, there's figurative. Well, this means this, but it really means this. We believe here at Faith Bible, unless it tells us in the text, it means what it says. Daniel's looking at the 70 years, two more years, two more years. He's, he's reflecting on God's promises. And so let's look at just two tips for you this morning in the area of our quiet time, of what we can look at and how we study the Bible and how we reflect on God's goodness. I think we see Daniel here doing one thing here. He's reading and he's reflecting on God's promises. He was, he's reading and reflecting on God's promises. He's remembering what God told them. Again, and Jeremiah is very interesting. Jeremiah was a prophet during Daniel's younger years. And so Daniel, of course, did not have the Bible, but he had a scroll with the prophet's words of Jeremiah. And he's going through them in his, his daily devotion. And he's remembering the prophet Jeremiah and what he said about the promises of Israel going back to their country. And he was basking in that promise. Well, we, 70 years for us in Israel doesn't mean anything to us on a day-to-day basis. But what are promises that God give us, gives us? Well, can we, talk, can we look at a few this morning? I mean, we could stay here for the next week and continue to talk about God's promises. But we have things to do, right? All right. Well, let's look at a few of them. God promises salvation. We celebrated this morning in the communion, Romans 1, 16 through 17. There is no greater blessing than the gift of free salvation. Amen? There is no greater gift, no greater promise that God gives us. The second one, God promises is his power. We talked about it a few weeks ago, Acts 1.8. But the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses. We have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. That's a great promise. 
Thirdly, God promises comfort during our trials. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. You know, God is the God of all comfort. All of us in here, none of us are, are excluded, have been through struggle, trial, tragedy in our life. And guess what? Who is the one constant in our life that we can say, yes, he gave us the comfort we needed? God. He promises us comfort. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he promises us new life. If any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Are you glad for that promise? Are you glad for those individuals here who walked a different walk, who were living a life of sin and debauchery of God towards God? When God saved, you became a new creature. Aren't you glad you're a new creation in him? You're a new creation in him. I love John 14 and John 10. He promises us what? Daniel's talking about this here as we get to the end of prophecy. Eternal life. Do you know? And the promise, I don't think we think about that when we die, we're going to be with Jesus. That's a great promise. We were at, at, at a funeral last, uh, last night with a, for, from a friend, a friend of the family, and this, this lady who had cancer and was a friend of ours. It was a celebration because she's in glory. And all of us have that to look forward to. And lastly, uh, just last of the promises for today, we have many of them. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, God promises us peace when we pray. Have you ever been so frustrated, angry, um, in demise, and you just had to say, okay, God. I just, I just, I, you give me your peace, God. I'm just frustrated. You're, you're, you're angry. And it doesn't matter what the outcome of the situation is. God gives you that peace, doesn't he? God promises us that as his children. They're just a few. Daniel here is reflecting on the promise of God, the literal promise of God that Israel was going to be saved, that Israel was going to go back into their land. So let's continue reading in verses 3 through 19. We'll overview those several verses. We see Daniel's plea. Daniel now was reflecting on God's promises. Now Daniel is pleading to God. Look at verse 3. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy. And I want you to circle these words with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Now when you see those three words in a story, there's one word that we need to think about that's going on here. is the word mourning. M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Mourning. In the Jewish culture, sackcloth, fasting, and ashes had to do with mourning. Now, also, if you read in Job, the other thing that was added for mourning many times was shaving of the head. Now, don't you dare laugh. I am not in mourning this morning. Maybe that I don't have hair, but that's beside the point. But when you see sackcloth and ashes and you see uh, uh, the, the fasting, so Think about this. He's having his quiet time. He's opening the scrolls of Jeremiah, and he's reading here the promises of God. What's the next thing he does? He goes into mourning. What's he mourning about? As we'll see, he's mourning about the sins of Israel. That, that, that just blew me away this morning. See, in Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28, God told the nation of Israel, Israel was going to be in this situation. Listen, if you obey me, I'm going to bless you. If you disobey me, you're going to be taken away captive. This is, this is what it is. It, it, it's spelled out through the Old Testament. Israel knew this. This is not your normal prayer after devotions, is it? None of us, I am sure, and I speak for myself, 
went into mourning after I had my Bible reading, and then I have to go to prayer to my Heavenly Father, that I'm in mourning, and then I'm oh my goodness, God. This is the kind of man Daniel was. He was torn apart. Now, now look at this. He was torn apart by the actions and sins of Israel. Now follow me. 68 years before. What kind of man is pleading for forgiveness of a sin 68 years before? A godly man who knows that God, is, he, they deserve wrath of God. And he is pleading to God, God, forgive us. It's very interesting. Many theologians believe that this prayer in Daniel chapter 9, we, we know the habits of Daniel, don't we? Three times a day, Daniel 6, this is again why he was thrown in the lion's den, he prayed towards Jerusalem for his land. It is believed that this prayer was prayed many times in Daniel's life. Eighty-five years. What an example. Think about our lives. Do we, are we broken about sin in our life? Think about it. Are we broken about the sin in our life? Are we broken for other people who are going through sin, who are picking a path of unrighteousness, and we know their destination? Do we, are we broken like, like Daniel, like mourning, like, God, please help them. God, just t- help them understand the sin that they're in. Forgive them. Do we get that broken? Daniel here is broken. It really took a lesson from me. I took a lesson from this this week. Like, do I, am I broken when I sin against the holy God? Daniel was broken for his people. So during Daniel's quiet time here in Jeremiah, I mean, in, in, in the book of Jeremiah, he's reading and reflecting on God's promises, but we see secondly, he is proclaiming and publishing God's character. He is proclaiming and publishing God's character. Look at verse 4. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great, circle great and awesome, circle great and awesome, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. Daniel uses great and awesome to speak of his God as he's confessing sin. He continues to praise God despite the situation the Jews are in, in 68 years of captivity at this point. These two words, great and awesome, together are found ten times in Scripture. Great and awesome. Well, here's what they mean in Hebrew. Exceedingly, extreme, far more. Awesome means showed reverence, standing off, fearful, large, reverence you know there's 142 people in our world's history from time creation till now 142 people that use the word great before or after their name alexander the great alfred the great peter the great cyrus the great or anyone here by the name of great like better not raise your hand god is the only person who is truly great and we, his creation, are inferior. Reminds me of a story I heard once that a man was going to his psychologist for some um, for inferiority complex. And he said to his patient, he goes, you don't have an inferiority complex. You're just inferior. I, mean, I don't know how much he paid him for that advice, but it is true. God is great and awesome. We are inferior. There's three words that are the most overused words in the English language. Literally. How many say literally? Honestly, my mom used to say that. Honestly, Jason. Honestly, Jason. You know. Absolutely. How many say those words? Literally, that is the best.
best cupcake I've ever had. How about it, kids? Literally the best cupcake I've ever had. Well, the number one word, overused word in the English language is guess what? And I am, as soon as I say it, you're going to be like, yep, you say that a lot. Because I said it this morning. I was talking to Wayne Baker this morning. And I said, Wayne, that's awesome. How many of us say awesome or great? How, how's your day going? Great. You'll hear me. You'll catch me. Hey, you said awesome again. It's the number one overused word in the English language. But think about it a minute. In the definition I just gave in the Hebrew about God, we think God is that awesome, yet we think the hamburger we ate last night at Outlaw Burgers and the movie we watched on Netflix was awesome. Think about it. You know, the, where last week a guy got dunked on in basketball over there in our league and the gym just went crazy. And I looked at that and I'm like, that was awesome. Is it really awesome? See, we use words like awesome and great to describe God yet we match them up with mundane things and it loses its power. And I think we're all guilty of that. In fact, if you see a sunset at the Grand Canyon, that is awesome. Why is it awesome? Because the Creator made that. Or if you're crazy enough to watch a tornado come through, it'll take you, I mean, probably on TV, you would stand in fear and awe like, wow, that is awesome awesome in a fearful sense you see daniel here as we get down and overview the last part this part of chapter nine daniel saying god you are great you are awesome and here's look look at the sins and look what daniel's saying here i'm just going to read through the verse and just give you a little snippet of so you get an idea of daniel's mourning here in his in the sin of his nation verse five we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled we turned aside from your commandments and rules Look at verse 8. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame. To our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Look at verse 11. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice, because we have sinned against him. Verse 14. Therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought, us, brought upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. The end of 15 says, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. Have we ever confessed sin like that to God? Daniel here is just, God, we, here is where we're at. And can you imagine, this is just not done once. It is believed Daniel prayed this prayer many times. Tells us where Daniel's heart is. See, the reason why Daniel said, God, you are awesome and great, I think Daniel says it here in verse 9. The reason why God is awesome and great, and I want us to see this this morning, Look at verse 9. To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. Our God is great and awesome because he is a merciful God and he is a forgiving God. Aren't you glad for God's mercy in your life? Aren't you glad for God's forgiveness in your life? Here we are on the other side of the cross. Daniel is, is looking, he's before the cross. We are beyond this side of, uh, of history and we look back and we see Jesus and what he has done for us. Like Paul told the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 1, 7, he says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Aren't you glad, despite sin, that we are all, we still participate in, unfortunately because of our sin nature, that God is merciful 
and He is forgiving. I want you to ask that this morning. See, not only we see him, him Daniel seeing that he's, he's merciful and forgiving, but we also see this. Look at verse 15. Daniel's reflecting on the Egypt journey that his forefathers told him about. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself. What he's saying to God, what he's remembering about that, what he heard about that story of Egypt, God is a provider and he is faithful. All the stuff that happened in Egypt, God, you provided for the nation of Israel. You are faithful. See, how can we proclaim and publish God's character? Well, we have social media, don't we? We read social media for a lot of things, don't we? Things probably shouldn't read. Can we proclaim and publish God's character as part of praising him for who he is? Absolutely. So instead of posting a a political post that you may agree or disagree about, proclaim God's character and what he's done in your life this week. Because he is great, he is awesome, and why he is great and awesome is why? Because he is merciful, he is forgiving, he is our provider, and he is faithful. Think about your life this week. Has God provided for you? Has God been faithful to you through all the things that have come up into our lives. Is God faithful? Is he a provider? I, I, I love Lamentations 3, 22 and 24. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. That word portion in Hebrew means my inheritance, says, the, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. You see, Jeremiah wrote Lamentations, going, understanding what Israel was going to go through, and yet all the things that were going to happen to the nation, like Daniel's praying, Jeremiah, say, Jeremiah says this, your mercies are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. We always stop there. In verse 24, therefore I will hope in him. Therefore I will hope in him. Because he's forgiving. Because he's merciful. Because he's my portion. Because he is faithful. Can we say that this morning, church, that God is all those, even thousands of years removed from Daniel, Daniel's praying this, we can look back and say, yes, that is our God. He is great and he is awesome. Read and reflect. Daniel's reading and reflecting on God's promises. And number two, he's proclaiming and publishing God's character. Brothers and sisters, we can do that each and every day of our life, at your job, at your school, in your neighborhood, with your mom's group, with your your neighborhood gang. You can proclaim and and publish God's character, what God has done in your life. And as we talked a couple weeks ago about the power of the Holy Spirit being upon us, that we can be his witnesses, that's part of being a witness. Read and reflect, proclaim and publish God's character. Does that make sense? Can we do that? Okay, so we're not done. I wanted to bring that application of that kind of Daniel's quiet time this morning, of what we've seen of Daniel was doing in his prayer life and the character that he was, a man of God he was. So what we see in Daniel 17 through 19 is now Daniel is pleading to God, God, pay attention to us, act, do not delay. We are your people. Daniel's focus in his prayer was on which nation? The nation of Israel. And so he's saying, please, please act. Lord, Lord, get us out of here. Lord, please, we are sorry. Forgive us. Well, look at verse 20. 
While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin, the sin of my people, and presenting my plea before the Lord God on the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking, a man Gabriel, that's the angel Gabriel, came to him. And look what Gabriel tells him. And this is what gets us into these last four verses of prophecy at the end of the book. O oh, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. Daniel's praying for the nation of Israel, right? In context. And now, the angel Gabriel is going to give to him, okay, this is what's going to happen to your nation, future. But I want you to look at verse 23. At the beginning of your plea for mercy, a word went out. His prayer was heard. And I've come to tell it to you. And I want you to underline this. This is key. Angel Gabriel, can you imagine an angel coming to you, telling you this? For you are greatly loved. God greatly loved Daniel. And he's given him this vision to say, listen, because of your heart, I'm going to tell you here what's going to happen to your nation. Okay, do we, have, do we have that picture in mind? Daniel's pleading and praying. Angel Gabriel comes now, and he is now going to tell what will happen to the nation of Israel. Let's go to verse 24. This is where everyone, everyone okay, good, we're at verse 24. This is the best part of this book. Daniel 29, 24, 27. Okay, got your markers out, you got your pens out, because mark this up, because this is key in dealing with numbers and how everything works out in prophecy. Verse 24, 70 weeks. Circle weeks, we're going to come back and give a definition to that, are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. So here's what verse 24 tells us. Seventy weeks, there's six things that have to happen in these 70 weeks. Now you're saying, okay, but what does the 70 weeks mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. That's why you're here. Weeks in the Hebrew comes from the Hebrew word Shabuah. Say Shabuah with me. Shabuah. Shabuah. Seventy weeks. Now, when you interpret Scripture, when you look at words, you go back to see where they were first used in the Bible. Well, this would take us back to Genesis chapter 29 and the story of Jacob and Rachel. Remember that story. Jacob's seen Rachel and says, yep, that's my girl. I'm going to marry her. Goes before Laban. Hey, listen. I want your daughter's hand in marriage. And what did Laban Sure, that's fine, but you've got to work for seven Shabuah, seven years. And we know the rest of that story. He worked seven years for Rachel and got the raw end of the deal. Wedding day, wedding night, he wakes up beside the sister, and, it was a, it was, and, and he's like, wait a minute, that's not Rachel. Oh, sorry, you have to work another seven Shabuah to get Rachel. So really, he worked 14 years to get his bride. He must have really loved her. See, the word weeks here is translated Shabuah, years. It's like if I ask William, William, I need a, need a dozen donuts. You're going to come back with how many donuts? Twelve. Mason, I need six bagels. How many, how, many, how many is that? It's a half a dozen. Would you have known that? In different cultures, in different lands, measurements are different. So we have to take what the Hebrew, understood in the Hebrew side of things, and we put that here culture understand what this means for us 77 70 weeks seven times 70 times seven is 490 i want you to put that number in your mind 490 years god is going to work on the nation of israel okay do we have that 490 years this is referring to the jewish people the americans the christians have nothing to do with the 490 years i hate to hate to just give that to you 
We look at this and, what's the, oh wait, this means, nope, we're not in this. The 490 years has to deal with the nation of Israel. Now understand, when Daniel got this prophecy, Jerusalem was desolate. It was destroyed. So any hope for Jerusalem is, man, God says it's going to happen. Okay, I'm going to believe him because right now Jerusalem's desolate. It is destroyed. These six things were going to happen in these 490 years. Now just bear with me. Here are the six things that were going to happen. Finished transgression, that means the apostasy and rejection of Jesus, that happened already. End to sin, okay, redeemed the world, Jesus did that. Now these are future, atone for iniquity, bring the people back to himself. That's who, what is God going to use in the end times to bring his people back? The tribulation period. Bring everlasting righteousness. Well, that is Jesus Christ's kingdom, literally a thousand-year millennial kingdom where we will come with him, Revelation 19, to establish that kingdom on the world, in the world. And then lastly, our second last, seal both vision and prophet. There's going to be a time when Jesus comes back that there's no more prophecy. It will be fulfilled. Signed, sealed, delivered. There's no more prophecy to be filled. There will be sealed up. And then lastly, anoint a most holy place, the final temple. Everything is complete with Jesus. So as you look at what needs to be done in 490 years, let's just go back and now I want you to imagine you have your TV remote in your hand. Can you do that? All the guys are like, easy, I do that all the time, right? Unless your wife takes it from you because you're always your channel flipper, all right? <laughs> yeah, amen to that, right? So I want you to pretend you have a, your TV remote. I want us to go to 25 because God starts and he stops his play button in this 490 years. So verse 25, know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of the anointed one, a prince, that is referring to Jesus Christ, there shall be seven weeks. Then for 62 weeks it shall be built again with squares and moats within a troubled time. And after 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing now, I'm going to show you a diagram. I want you to just look at the circle, the red circles on this diagram, so you can read it. The Bible tells us here, from the moment that the command is given to rebuild the temple, to build the temple walls, seven sevens, 49 years, and then another additional 434 years until the anointed one comes. Well, it's very, very interesting. Nehemiah 2 starts the play button. So guys, remember, push the play button in Nehemiah 2. The command was to build the walls, and that's when time starts for the nation of Israel. Temple was complete. Everything's going great. Now we're looking for the anointed one. Who's the anointed one? Jesus Christ. Very interesting. They could tie this down to the date. March 14, 445 B.C. is the date God start, started the clock for Israel. And do you know what date Jesus came in Jerusalem on his cult, April 6, 32 A.D., 483 years after the command was given to start the temple. Daniel chapter 9, everything, 49 plus 434 equals what? 483. Isn't that amazing? Everything adds up. Now, it tells us there when the Messiah, or when Jesus is cut off the anointed one, a week after Palm Sunday, what happened? Jesus died on the cross. His people rejected him. God pushes pause. Right now, we, the church age, are living 
in that pause. God put the nation of Israel on a back burner for us. See, Paul tells us in Ephesians that this history that the Gentiles can know salvation, can know Christ. We live in the church age, the age of grace. The nation of God still loves the nation of Israel. No one messes with the nation of Israel. But at this moment in time, God's waiting for another seven Shabua, seven years, 483. What do we have to get to to get to 9490? Seven. And when does that seven start? When the church is gone and the tribulation begins. You see how everything adds up here? Let's go to verse 26. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now, who are the people of the prince? This prince here is the Antichrist. The people of the prince, who, where does the Antichrist come from? What empire does he come out of? The revised Roman Empire. So, what's it say? And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. That happened in Jerusalem in 70 A.D. Shall come with a flood. Now, I want you to understand, this flood does not mean, does not mean water. We think of a flood. This here means a dispersion of people. What happened when Jerusalem was destroyed? The Jews scattered. Okay, so this here has already happened. And to the end, there shall be war. What have we seen since Jesus ascended into heaven? What has happened here in the past 2,000 years? Has there ever been peace? No. There's never been peace on this world. And we, we talk about it. Pastor Mike mentioned it last week in his message. We are waiting for someone to come for peace. Well, look at verse 27. And he, that he is the Antichrist, shall make a strong covenant with many for one, say with me, Shabuah, one week, which makes equal seven years, the tribulation period, and for half of the week, in that mid-trib, mid-tribulation, he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate. What's this referring to? The abomination of desolation which who in Daniel 8 was a type of, what was his name? Antioch Epiphanes, remember? He sacrificed the pig and made the Jews eat that sacrifice. Well, there's going to be a man that will come called the Antichrist who will do the same thing. We believe God will start that clock again. He'll push play. Once the Antichrist, and it says it right here in the text, when he makes a strong covenant with the world, See, when the rapture comes, people think, okay, everything starts. No, rapture comes, world comes, church is gone. Theologians believe it might be a week, it might be two weeks, it might be a month. There's a, there's a, there's a gap time that the Antichrist will come and make a treaty with the world, a treaty of peace, particularly with the nation of Israel. At that moment, we won't be here. If you're here, please get saved. We won't be here. But once that happens, God will push play. And guess what? 483 years will start to go to 490. And the seven-year tribulation period will begin. And what is the purpose of the tribulation period? To bring Israel back to God. And in 490 years, guess what happens? We, with Jesus, come to set up his literal kingdom here on earth. And that's where we come in. Daniel here sees the end of what will happen to the nation of Israel. This is all about Israel. From the start of the temple, 
clock started until the rejection of Jesus Christ, 483 years. So now we are in this 2,000-year period waiting for God to push that play button again to where that seven Shabuah will start, that week will start those seven years of the tribulation period. And so how do we, how do we pull application out of that? Well, I, I want us to go back to the two points that we learned this morning. Read and reflect God's word and proclaim and pursue, uh, pro- 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 proclaim and publish God's character. Prophecy makes us, should make us hope. It should make us reflect on the goodness of God that we are on the victor's side, that we are on the winning side, that we should never get, and it should never get old, it should never get tired. So as you read this week in your devotions, you reflect and you read promises of the future kingdom, of, God, of the church being raptured. You read about what God's going to do. That gives us hope, doesn't it? So as we read prophecy like this, Daniel's 70th week, it gives us, us hope of what Jesus is going to come to do. And we're with him. And secondly is, listen, we cannot push aside the fact that it is our job as Christians. As we're here in this pause, and that pause in that 490-year period, we're in that pause in the church age, that we are to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. We are to proclaim, we are to publish the goodness and the greatness of God. He's great, he's awesome. Why again? Because he's merciful, because he's forgiving. Can you share that with people? Can you share those characters of God? Because he's a provider, because he is faithful. Yes, yes, and yes. And so as we come to the end of, that, of chapter 9 with that, that passage of Scripture about Israel and the future, we can leave here with hope to proclaim the truth of who God is. And as we watch that video, the, the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that they, our friends, our family, can be with us someday in heaven. And that's what we long for. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for all you've done for us. Give us a great uh, rest of the day with our friends and family. Help us as we start our week. And we give you all the honor and the glory in your precious name. Amen. All right, folks, you guys have a great week. God bless you. And if anything we can help you with, um, you need help doing anything or a prayer, please let us know. Take care.